0: If not, I need you guys. <coughs> Make sure you guys grab one. Fill it out. It has to be notarized. Uh, Carrie, our secretary, is a notary. So if you need to take it by her, we can do that. So it needs to be done um, before, before we leave. So this is, uh, if, you're, if, if you're one of our adults and you have the app, this is, we're on week four. We're skipping week three on the app. So when you get to your small groups, it'll be week four. I probably should have told you that sooner, but, you know, you're good. I believe in you. So this is our last week of our series, Choose Your Own Adventure. Uh, we've come a long way in just these couple of weeks, this month, but the journey is almost over. Did you get it? You See what I did? It's a dad joke. When you're approaching the end of a great adventure story, there's nearly always one last battle, like a final conflict or obstacle that, you, that your beloved heroes uh, must overcome. It's like this, this. This part gets me fired up. Scene, it gets me pumped up. I'm ready to like fight somebody after watching that kind of stuff, man. It's good stuff, anyway. So, last week we watched the very first part of the, this trilogy where they kind of formed this fellowship, and this is the last of the movies, Return of the King. But when we watch adventure um, stories, whether it be in movies or TV or whatever, we might feel a little bit of stress during these moments. Kind of get you know, we don't know what's gonna happen, especially if you've never seen one where you don't know like what it's about, so you don't really kind of unsure of what's gonna happen next. But the thing is, most of the time, we always expect our heroes to save the world, pretty much, right? Generally, that's kind of the formula. The heroes will have some sort of setback, but in the end, they will save the world. But in real life, though, our battles aren't quite that simple, right? Outside of the movies, the world's problems aren't guaranteed to have happy endings. So a couple years ago, like I said, when I went to Fort Lauderdale and just got face-to-face with homelessness, like I said, I've never really done it before that trip— Never really done a whole lot ministry-wise or just really anything with homeless people. And, and going this week and, and spending a week there with those kids or with those adults and stuff, it was probably one of the coolest, one of the hardest, and, and probably the most, one of the most rewarding things that I had ever done. You know, Just being able to talk to these people, but, you know, just get, get to know them, hear their stories, uh, mention to these people. I mean, to say it was life-changing um, is not enough. There's still much more to be done um, in regards to homelessness. Um, I wish I could give each of these people a, a job or a house or a chance to, to have like a real normal life. Um, but the truth of the matter is I, I just can't. And to see people who truly need help and to know that I can't fix it for everybody, it's, it's a pretty tough thing. So let me ask you questions. There's a lot of problems in the, in the world today, right? And, and none of them have easy answers or they're guaranteed happy endings. So let me ask you some questions. What are some problems that you see in your world today? What are some things, some problems you see? This is when, I, when I, if you haven't noticed yet, have, I'll step to the side right here. This is when I want to hear the answers because it's hard to hear in this room. Huh? Yeah, pretty much. What are some problems you see? Socialism is evil. Okay. Not too. Not too. We What was yours? Human trafficking. Human trafficking? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Berlin's a pretty big hub for that. Yeah, it is. What else? Yeah. That human trafficking. Socialism. What are some other problems in the world? Like aside. What else? <laughs> Drugs. Drugs. Drugs.
1: Coronavirus?
0: Disease. Disease, just in general. Child abuse. Child abuse? abuse in general. Racism, what? Abuse in general. Abuse, period. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. So we can, I mean, there's all kinds of different levels, different ways that can happen. Yeah. But when we add up all the problems, because I mean, we could probably sit here for the next 45 minutes, we probably talk about problems for a while. I mean, that's just the nature, unfortunately, of the world that we live in. When we add up all these these problems, these obstacles, and these evils that are facing uh, our world today, the weight of those things can feel pretty overwhelming. You know, we don't have any superheroes or Jedi's or wizards or hobbits or whatever to solve these problems for us. So, at at the end, or so, so is at the end of this story, and our story, do they do they remain unsolved, or are there still a few battles that we have left to fight? Like in every great adventure story, our world truly needs saving. Um, Our world's a pretty dark place. Uh, The world is not near as it should be, but I don't believe it it has to stay that way. Uh, The last few weeks we've been talking about the adventure that we are all on. It's the lifelong adventure of knowing and following God. So far I've I've been talking a lot about you and your specific journey that you're on. Uh, he might be the main character in your own story, uh, but have you ever heard of a hero who's only concerned with saving themselves? No, probably not. Like I said, is, is anybody a fan of like the Marvel movies? So if you know that this, the arc of Tony Stark, if you look at Tony Stark from like Iron Man one. There's a good chance he probably would have done whatever he could to save himself and himself only. By the end, you get to the to Endgame, it's a different Tony Stark, right? Most heroes are not just concerned with just themselves; they're concerned with everybody else you know it wouldn't be a very compelling story if the main hero was only about themselves right That's, that nobody likes people really That they're so self centered and selfish it just wouldn't make for a very good movie the thing is Jesus came to save the world not himself he came to save you save me uh, he didn't come for himself and if you know Jesus, he's calling you to join him on his mission to save the world as well. And that, that sounds like a pretty exciting adventure. Pretty exciting, pretty daunting, but an incredible adventure. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. I don't have the notes um, this week uh, for the Bible app. Oh, wait, yes, I do. I think I did. I think I did it on Monday. My week, I think my week is off because... I didn't do first party this week because I was trying to get some stuff done before I left for my trip. So I did everything a little like a day early. So I think I did it on Monday. Is it there? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. So maybe I'm not just a complete goober. So it is on the Bible app. If you have the Bible app, you can go to the more button. I think is what it is. And then the events. And you'll just see fantasy ministry. Follow along. So Matthew 25, 31 is where it will be. Um, we're looking at some of Jesus' last reported words. The book of Matthew ends in chapter twenty-eight. Matthew twenty-five is right there towards the end. If you're not good at math, it's just a four away, right? And so uh, we have Matthew twenty-five here. And uh, he, before he said these words, Jesus had been telling parables. What's anybody know what a parable is? It's a story. It's a story. Story like with the with oh, got some holy water there on you, I'm sorry. Some a story with a with a message. A little bit of thing behind. A little bit of truth behind. A little bit of not just a story, just to tell a story, but a, a little bit deeper. Of a story about his kingdom, so that's kind of what the parables he was telling them about. So whenever Jesus talked about his kingdom, he was talking about how the world should be, and how things are whenever he Jesus is in control. And then he tells this next story, Um, and so just to give you, whenever he tells these parables, a lot of times the the words he used was not a literal usage of words. We're going to read this story. There's going to be sheep. There's going to be goats. He's not talking about like sheep and goats. Got it? They're metaphors. Okay. Just make sure we're good. So, Matthew 25, uh, 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see, a stranger, see you as a stranger and welcome you? We're naked and clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left Get this Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and he gave me no food. I was thirsty and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger and he did not welcome me. Naked, and he did not clothe me, sick, and in prison, and he did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so, the story, it's, it's, it's a commonly misunderstood story, and it's, it's a story about two groups of people. God invited the first group into his kingdom because Jesus said that they cared for him when he was sick and fed him when he was hungry. Uh, but these people don't remember ever doing that for Jesus himself, right? And Jesus said the other group was not welcome because they would never cared for him, fed him, or visited him. But these people, again, don't remember ever seeing Jesus in need. Now, there's a lot that we could talk about uh, when studying this this passage here. but Instead of trying to understand what this passage is saying about eternity, today I want to just focus on what this passage says about about life right now. That Jesus calls us to care uh, for the least of these. Jesus calls us to care for the least of these. Jesus is so serious about wanting his followers to care for those in the greatest need that he says loving those people is just like loving him. And not loving them is not is is like not loving him. Do I catch that? He says, that "Care for those, in the greatest, and the greatest thing that he says, loving those people is just like loving him, and not loving them is not, is like not loving him." So, as followers of Jesus, Jesus says that we're supposed to look for things that are not as they should be, and then work to repair them. And that is part of God's mission to save the world. And Jesus, the crazy thing is he invites us to be part of it. The book of James has a few more things to say about this. Turn over to James chapter 2 or flip over there or whatever. James 2, 14. So James, it's just a really practical book. It's just a few chapters long. I encourage you guys to read it. It's just a very practical book that gives you like, hey, do you want to be a follower, better follower of Christ? Just do this, this, and this. It's pretty practical. <coughs> just basic, do these things kind of thing. So that's what it says, uh, the help kind of helps us put our faith into action. James 2, uh, 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? For brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. And one of he says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good does that do? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead, but someone will say you know, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now I, I've always I, I probably quoted verse nineteen to you guys several times by now. You will believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. That verse is telling us that even the demons believe in God. It's not enough just to believe that there's a God. The demons believe as well. So according to Jesus, I mean to James here, our, our faith in Jesus is worthless if it's not paired with action. James reminds us about what Jesus commanded, to care for the least of these. Married uh, couples or married people in here, um, if, you, if you've been married for any length of time and you, you did not put your love uh, to the, of the spouse into action, do you think you'd still be married today? Hmm. Probably not. I mean... There needs to be love as an action. You need to put, put this into action. And another interesting thing here is neither Jesus nor James puts any kind of limitation on the type of person who is called to do this kind of work. Did you hear that? Puts no kind of limitation. It doesn't mean if you're a pastor, if you're a youth pastor or whatever, this, is, this only applies to you. That's not what it says, right? There's no limitation to who can do this. You know who that means? I mean, it's you. If we're all caught to live like this, not just pastors and, and Sunday school teachers and stuff, it's us. Scripture doesn't say to change the world someday, or when you're an adult, or when you've been following Jesus for a while, or when you've got this whole thing figured out, because I don't have it all figured out, and I'm never going to. When Jesus tells us to change the world by caring for those in the greatest need he isn't talking about someday in the future. The cool thing is, he's talking about today. Uh, we've had some homeless care kids over there that have been sitting over there looking sad for quite a while. And I don't know if anybody's taken one. That's a super easy way just to bless somebody and say, hey, we have some stuff here to help you out. They've been there since late December, and it's just about March. You know, we, we, we think about some of those things. Well, I like ask you guys, what are some of those problems we're facing today? You guys gave us some answers. Like I said, we can go on and on for a while. You know, th- that list can feel pretty overwhelming. Um, thinking of that list like these problems, could, they can could never be solved. But if, what if just one person, just one person in this room decided to help solve just one of the problems that we said? Just one person. What if five of us? did that what if we all did it I know these problems seem almost impossible to solve but isn't, isn't that true in, in every great adventure story that the task before them is, seems to be so insurmountable they can never do anything about it right an impossible problem a few ordinary heroes and the decision to give their all with the hope of saving the world that's the formula for every great adventure story and it might be the formula for your next adventure as well. Jesus came to save the world. And one of the ways he did that was by caring for those in the greatest need. And now he's calling you guys to do the exact same thing. With Jesus, you can change the world today, not tomorrow. I, I, I've told you that before. I believe that you guys can truly change the world. You may be thinking right now, Ryan, you are an idiot. And that doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I still believe that you can change the world. I have some friends. um, They were like Sunday school teachers of mine from when I was a kid. And other people from other churches I've served at. They serve in what's called the Kairos Prison Ministry. It's a pretty popular ministry where they go into prisons and they do ministry and and reach uh, the prisoners there. And some of the stuff that they're doing is just some incredible work, incredible things to change the world by going into places where most of us probably would not want to go. Um, and they're going there teaching and reaching those who need help. And most of these people that, are, that I know that do this, they're not preachers. They're not seminary students. They're not seminary trained. They're just um, people that love Jesus and, and want to see people come to know him. That's it. That's all he's wanting. That's all Jesus is asking is looking for people who love him so much and love others so much that they will do whatever it takes. To change the world. And like I said, that's just, that's just one example of, of people, of everyday heroes. Uh, who are changing the world with the love and compassion of Jesus. Uh, these people understand that they don't have to wait for someday to change the world. They're already invited to change things today. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping by now, by the end of the series now, that you, you see that you have the ability to change the world through the love of Jesus. By choosing to care for the least of these, you can help solve some of the world's biggest problems. But you may be thinking, why, why should I bother? That's, that's so impossible to change human trafficking and to stop human trafficking. Here, here are some reasons I want to give you guys to, to think of why you should do something about it. Number one, just because the world needs saving. The world sucks. Right? I mean, it's, it's not any good. The world needs saving. I know your life isn't perfect. That doesn't mean that you can't help make someone else's life better. We already listed plenty of problems that need to be solved in the world today. You'll always be able to find someone in need of your help. As long as you're willing to look for somebody. Another reason is because you want to save the world. You know, you can kind of be honest. You've always maybe wanted to save some part of the world when you're a little kid. Maybe you want to be a superhero. I'm still Superman to at least JoJo. I think my other two kids are past that now. Um, for a while, I had them believe that I was, in fact, Superman. So in case you guys didn't, like I said, so one of my... The, the only things that survived my house fire were Superman stuff. I don't know why. Anyway, so I had tucked away it was a Superman costume I wore, and I pulled it out, and it still smelled like smoke 10, 15 years later. So I pulled it out and showed the kids, and they were little. And... Um, I said the last time I wore this, I had to fight, had a fight of fire, and their eyes got huge. Like it was, it was, it was really cool. It made me feel special. Um, like so, they probably think nothing like that anymore. But anyways, we probably all wanted to save the world, just in some degree, save something, somebody, some way. Um, you know, you may not be able to do that superhero saving the world like you thought of when you were a little kid, um, but I'm guessing it's probably still at least a small part of you that wants to make a difference. I truly believe that. You want your life to mean something. That's a good thing because the desire was given to you by God himself. And the third reason why you should do this is because caring for others makes you grow. When you decide to give, when you decide to love, when you decide to serve and protect and care for people in need, you might be surprised to see how your life changes as well. Every time you do something to care for the least of these, I think you'll see that you grow in compassion and generosity and love. And in closeness uh, to God. the question so what are you willing to do to change the world? Are you willing to open your eyes to the needs of other people? Are you willing to get a little uncomfortable? Are you to maybe even make a few sacrifices? If you are, if that's who you are, what do you think that you'll gain? Greater compassion, greater love, greater purpose, a deeper relationship with Jesus? Maybe even a story of a vision that's worth retelling when you get over. Um, I don't know what you'll do with the challenges that you've been given today, but I hope you'll do something because you can change the world today, not tomorrow. So the question is, will you? We're going to watch a quick uh, video of a song called uh, Do Something by Matthew West. A little plug. Matthew West is going to be here in, in concert, I believe, in May. And so we'll—I uh, think it's a Wednesday night. So I think we we'll try to get some tickets and go to that concert that Wednesday night uh, in May. But I want you guys to watch and listen to this uh, lyric video. So as, as we get ready to leave and go to our, our small group time, um, I really hope that you're ready to walk into the, the rest of this week with just a renewed sense of purpose um, and, and mission for what God has for you. Uh, I hope you're, you're as convinced as, as I am that with Jesus, your life has the potential to be an incredible story of adventure. Uh, I can't wait to see what Jesus does with your story next. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to go to our... Uh, Small groups. Though At the very bottom of the, uh, the notes for today, you'll see today, um, if, you, if you're not aware, is Ash Wednesday. It's not really talked about and discussed a lot about in uh, Baptist circles. But the um, next 40 days is what's called Lent. And uh, just a challenge for you guys to maybe uh, give up something and never pursue Jesus. So there's a 40-day devotional that takes you up until Easter um, at the bottom of that, uh, that thing from today. If you guys would like to get in on that and just be challenged for the next 40 days. So let's pray. God, just may these kids realize that they can't change the world, that they're not uh, too young or too equipped, God, but that you uh, you can work through them and in them and, and help them change the world. God, I pray you give them avenues. I pray you give them areas where they see the need, God, and they find a way to meet that need. God, we're never more like you than when we're meeting the needs of the hurting and the lonely. God, may we find a way to do that. I pray for the next... Uh, Twenty or so minutes as we're in our small groups coming, they'd be challenged to so just see the importance of, uh, of reaching out and, and meeting needs and, and uh, seeing avenues and ways that they can change the world. In Jesus' name I pray.